Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale. And in this week's episode, my guest is Andrea Moranville. Well, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors for today's episode. The first one is Gearhar's Restaurant Equipment and Supplies. Listen, if you are in the restaurant industry, restaurant owner, chef, whatever, if you're in the food service business, then you, without a doubt, need to be checking out Gearhar's Equipment. You can find out more information about them at gearharsequipment.com, or you can visit their showroom at 220 Teal Avenue in Syracuse, New York. But if you're in the restaurant and the food service industry, they have literally everything that you could ever think of that you need. Equipment, supplies, smallwares, consulting work, design work. I mean, they do it all. And if you're not in the food service industry, you're not in the restaurant industry, but you are an avid cooker, just want to get into cooking, or maybe, you know, the holidays are coming up. Maybe there's somebody that you know that is into cooking and you want to get them a gift certificate or get them some great supplies or cookware or utensils or whatever, anything you could think of for the food service industry they have. Their showroom is open to the public at 220 Teal Avenue. Again, you can also visit them online at gearharsequipment.com, but check out Gearhars. They're a great local source for the food service industry here in New York State. Our other sponsor for this week's episode is Good Buddy Coffee. Good Buddy Coffee is not available all the time. It is small, craft, deliciously roasted coffee, roasted right here in central New York, brought to you through their website, goodbuddycoffee.co. That's goodbuddycoffee.co. And this is coffee that they roast once a month. It's available, select few bags for purchase, and you can go online and find out when that's going to be and also buy your bag. You can also pre-order, so that way you don't have to you know, run the risk of running out, of them running out of coffee, and you having to wait another month. So head over to goodbuddycoffee.co, our good friends, and pick up a bag of their delicious coffee today. Don't forget, they donate 10% of all sales to support Helping Hounds Dog Rescue. That's it, goodbuddycoffee.co. And our final sponsor for this week's episode is ourselves. You need to head over to eatlocalnystate.com. That's eatlocalnystate.com and pick up your Eat Local New York card today. If you don't know what it is, it is a $5 reusable coupon that you can use at over 145 locally owned restaurants all around the state of New York. So head over to eatlocalnystate.com today. Pick up your card. Don't forget... We donate 20% of all proceeds to support the United Way of Central New York. So head over to eatlocalnystate.com and buy your Eat Local New York card today. Well, without further ado, here's my conversation with this week's guest and really just a star baker, a treasure here in Central New York, Andrea Moranville. We're sitting here with Andrea Moranville. Thank you so much for coming out again. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Um, we were talking just before we started. It was back in December that yeah. you were on last time. Yeah. And at that time, I think like the semi-final episode was just about to air. Is that right? Or was the season no, about we, to the air? Season, no, the season... Or it had it already aired? The season had already aired. I'm pretty sure the whole season had aired. I don't okay. remember. It all blurs yeah. together. I think yeah. the season, the whole season had aired. Okay. Um. But it's just amazing to see how you come full circle. Mm-hmm. It had already aired because I had already filmed um, Summer Rush. Oh, okay. We had already filmed Summer Rush also. So it okay. was the previous the previous December that the, the show aired, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I don't remember. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, for people listening uh, who don't know, uh, you were a contestant on the Great American Baking Show, correct? Yeah, runner-up, actually. Runner-up, yeah. yeah. And um, Didn't take home the big prize, but, yeah. you know, second uh, place isn't too shabby, I suppose. I think I said last <laughs> time, like, my wife and I, I think it was... It was just like great timing because we had just started like binging all of like the great British baking show and everything. Um, And then you reached out. And so uh, we've, you know, I fangirled a little bit on that one. But uh, and I just started watching it again, actually, like right before Valerie reached out. I just started watching the like the Christmas episodes. Yeah. So, yeah. So you were a contestant on the show. I was. And um, and before that, I mean, you were. You weren't uh, a pastry chef. You weren't working in kitchens or anything like that. You were just kind of like a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home, baker. self-taught home baker. Right? Yeah, I didn't have the business yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it was definitely um, a self-taught, fail my way through the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, I was wore my suit every day to work, and mm-hmm. then you know we ended up being a stay-at-home mom um, once we started growing our family, and I taught myself how to bake. Yeah. And then yeah, it just kind of grew from there. <laughs> So, and then onto the Great American Baking Show. And then show. onto the Great American Baking Show, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what was it like? Because now, so you have, um, you're still doing pop ups, correct? Well, yes. I mean, COVID kind of threw a wrench into all of that. Yeah. So, um, my one year anniversary on the bakery business, Silver City Baking Company, was last February. Okay, wow. So, I had just hit my one year <laughs> mark um, at the bakery and was, you know, doing relatively well for a startup, you know, yeah. solo entrepreneur in a, in a commercial kitchen trying to, <laughs> you know, be a, you know, solo entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and we hit the one year mark and then COVID. <laughs> you know, threw a wrench into 2020 in my year too. So, you know, it's definitely, and then, and then last year I was back at the Chateau on the Lake in Bolton Landing Yeah. again last summer, which is completely different from, you know, everybody knows being in a commercial kitchen at a fast paced mm-hmm. restaurant that was just on the food network is, is pretty, yeah pretty crazy. So <laughs> last summer was nuts. Um, and then I, I came back in September um, turn the ovens back on at the bake shop and I'm slowly starting to build, build that back up again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, pretty interesting. The businesses that have started during COVID Yeah, and a lot of them are like stay at home or just get small space or commercial space yeah. somewhere. I mean, I really had to reinvent. Mm-hmm. So I was doing the, the location of the bakery is not conducive for just walk up retail. Yeah. And so everything I had to do when I was creating the business is more specialty orders. I did a once a month pop-up at the location, which would draw people in once a month, which was good. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hit and the building shut down. Yeah. And so the pop-ups <laughs> ended and I had really had to reinvent how I did it because I didn't have that retail walk-up. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of turned more online and um, I started delivering. Yeah. So I was driving in May and June. I was driving all over Timbuktu, <laughs> dropping off cupcakes, which was pretty nuts. But yeah, um, yeah, it was definitely. But now it's it's interesting to see how things have evolved and how small businesses have really tried to evolve through this. I mean, how was your response when you were doing that and opening up for delivery? Really great, actually. Yeah. I think the curbside pickup at first it was a little iffy because nobody knew really what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cr- delivering was. Um, was a big a big one yeah but then I did free delivery mm. so that was <laughs> I had to reevaluate that one but I did you know I was driving all over the place um but it was the response was really well really yeah. really, really well received I mean how was the overall response like after like dur- while the show was airing or after the show aired and did you notice things just explode was it like well a- I hadn't I didn't open the business so the show aired 
in a December and I opened up the following February. So mm-hmm. I opened up in February of 19. Um, and it was very slow and I had really good response, but again, I was still trying to figure out where I wanted to be yeah. and what I wanted to be yeah. and, um, what I was going to have the bakery focus on. Did I want to be just a cake baker? Did mm-hmm. I want to have everything? And so I really spent the first year kind of testing that and mm-hmm. figuring out where my, I knew where my strengths are in baking, but I wanted to figure out what people wanted from mm-hmm. me. And so I kind of figured that out over the first year and, um, Shipping, people really like shipping. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I've been shipping all over the place, which mm. is good now. You know, not crazy amounts, but I'm probably doing a few orders, you know, all over the country wow. each week, which is good. Yeah. You know, slow and steady. <laughs> so do you find it's just like f- people finding you organically or is it? Yeah. Yeah. I've really put in, it's really all organically, mm-hmm. organic um, customer acquisition at this point. I'm, yeah. You know, social media mm-hmm. has been great. Um, I'm really not putting too much money behind ads. It's yeah. just kind of organic, organic following, which is really, which is really great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it really is amazing, especially during like quarantine and how many people were doing, uh, at home, like delivering yeah. to people's homes and especially in the bakery world. Um, I mean the little cake artist Kaylee here in yeah. Syracuse, um, and then the pastry Khaleesi, Amy and Utica oh, yeah, was, great. yeah, I mean, just blew up. Unfortunately, like for me, I had a hard time tr- struggling because we have four kids. Yeah. So when this all went down last March, all four kids came home. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to figure out how am I going to run a business, right. homeschool four kids. Nobody knew which way was up. And it really was, I really had to take a step back yeah. and focus on the family. And yeah. so for that aspect, you know, the momentum I was starting to build in the business kind of had to take a step back also. Mm-hmm. Um but we, you know, we're, we're figuring our way through it and, you know, I'm still, I'm not, I'm not down and out yet, which is good. <laughs> yeah. I think there's so many opportunities with, I mean, it's unfortunate, but there's so many opportunities in this new world yeah. for however long it's going to last. Um, I was just talking with a restaurant owner last night and he was saying, uh, they've done fairly well during everything, but he was saying, uh, this is probably going to be around for a year, but then people are going to go back to the way things were. And I don't know if I that's... Don't know, I don't know if that's the case either. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to kind of be a hybrid. Mm-hmm. But it was really interesting because in June, um, I packed up the kids and we went up north. June, we aired Summer Rush on the Food Network in June. Okay. Um, in the four episodes. I think it started mid-June and it went on into July, I believe. And so I packed up the kids and went back to the Chateau on the Lake this summer to be in the kitchen up there. So I shut down the kitchen mm. for two months. And I look back at that now and I'm like, <laughs> you know, which way does it go here? Right. So I was starting to build that momentum back up and then I shut it down and then I'm reopening it back up in September. And, yeah. you know, so now it's, you know, November and I'm starting to yeah pick things back up, which mm-hmm. is interesting. I mean, it's, it's definitely, I feel like a good time for being a baker to kind of ramp up that, um, attention because you're going into the holidays right. and you know you have- this is last year at this time um the amount of cookies i made between <laughs> november and even new years was just astronomical mm-hmm. and so i'm already seeing things pick up yeah um and i'm doing a lot of online yeah stuff everything is online now all my sales are done through my website um, andreamoranville.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little plug there. So, oh, of course. Are you kidding me? Uh, but all, is, my, yeah. all, my, all my orders are done online. Um, yeah. It's really easy checkout. And then I ship all over. Yeah. So um, 
between now and, and December, I, I expect, hopefully, yeah. fingers crossed, that I'll see I'll see quite a few orders come in. Yeah, for sure. It's um, everything is really. I mean, yeah. it was before, and you know, in smaller communities. I mean, how many like how much how many conversations did we have before everything happened about you right. know you need to be online, yeah. uh, you need to be working social media and right. have a website where people can order and yada yada yada, and then. Basically, within a couple of weeks, it was a necessity for right. any business. Yeah. Um, and even now, I think people are starting finally to realize, like, okay, this isn't going to go away, and we still need to right. get a website and get online ordering. Yeah, it's interesting because I've been um, separate from the bakery. I also do all the blogging, and yeah. you know, the, the I'm on Bridge Street probably once or twice a month <laughs> uh, doing live cooking, baking demos, which is great. I love being on Bridge Street. Yeah, you're doing those virtually? Yeah, yeah. virtually yeah. for now. I, we were doing them in studio, and then, you know, yeah, again, COVID. Right. That, that seems to be the theme <laughs> of the year, right? Um, so we started doing them virtually. Yeah. Yeah, which has been nice, but um, to be home, but at the same time, you know, I want to get, can't wait to get back in the studio with them. Right. I mean, for somebody who, like yourself, who's obviously been in, on camera in so many different levels from Bridge Street to, yeah. you know, at home doing it yourself, uh, and then to something like national television, yeah. is it really difficult to transition when you're doing it virtually? No. No? No. I think the only, I think I, I tend to be, I'm a little, I, I, ironically enough, I'm technologically challenged. In certain ways. Really? Yeah. Weren't you so, doing like your own cookie, like oh, from yeah, your phone do. or something? Oh, yeah, I still <laughs> do. And I've got the lights and I've got everything going. And then, but then I can't figure out how to hook a Bluetooth up to my, I, yeah. I, there's, it, for cer- certain yeah. things, they just go, I can't, I can't absorb it. Right. So I am technologically challenged in certain ways, with, you know, because I'm self taught. So yeah. I'm trying to figure it out on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are certain things that, you know, were more difficult than others. Yeah. I love doing the videos. Yeah. I love teaching. I love showing people how to do things. That, that's where my, yeah. that's my niche, I think. As somebody, I, uh, years ago, I think I would, you know, I grew up in churches. And so if anybody ever showed any like ounce of talent in anything, they were immediately <laughs> thrust into it. Yeah. Um, and so uh, for years I was used to be, I was used to uh, being the person that was like in, on the stage, uh, whether it was like speaking or doing music or and even then, like getting out of like working in the in the church world, um, or volunteering in the church world, being in like small local business, like same thing. Yeah. Um, even I think of like Eat Local New York and just the overall brand. A year ago, I was on uh, holding a phone up to my face and doing Instagram stories every single day and trying to push something or promote something or talk about a restaurant or yeah. whatever the case is. In the last year, I almost never do that now. Yeah. Um, I like being behind the camera and that kind of, you know, uh, producing it. And I think uh, I was just, I've been thinking about this, like the way the world's changed, even like the content creators now, especially on like a high, high level, almost become a little bit of a celebrity themselves. Yeah. Um, But having someone who is comfortable being in front of the camera is invaluable. Like, I cannot tell you the amount of people that, because at my job, we're inviting, we were just filming our staff who were chefs to come, like, take a couple hours out of the day, come into the kitchen and make a cooking video. And we were getting a few views. Nobody really cared that much. Yeah. And then 
we switched to, all right, well, let's bring in our customers, restaurant owners, and chefs that we work with to, we'll have them come in and do a cooking video and the views just, you know, quadrupled. Um, And having someone in front of the camera who doesn't want to be in front of the camera, but that is, is pretty really, really difficult, you know, versus somebody who feels comfortable and knows how to kind of work through it. it. It definitely comes over time. Yeah. You know, I find it's oddly, it's funny you say that for the longest time I was doing my YouTube videos and they were very poor, even funny, but it just, right. You know, I look back at some of the videos and I'm like, Oh geez. Yeah. Um, ironically, as time goes on, I get more self-conscious. Really? It's really bizarre. I look mm. back and I'm like, I, maybe because I didn't, I don't know, but I look, I look at them now and I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. Like I have this set up here uh, with the table and the light because last night and this morning I, um, I'm working on like putting content together for good buddy and for the card. Yeah. And so I was working on filming like a little whiskey video and, uh, two years ago I would have like put the video together and this is great. I'm going to mm-hmm. immediately Put it right out. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. That's what I, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm like, think about it a little bit more. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I know that this isn't good. But so. it's interesting because I think as long like I, I look at my life and, and anybody, you say, if you share your story, mm-hmm. right. And you just share, share it. Yeah. Like I don't create things even on Instagram or on social media. I don't create a recipe to, for the sole purpose of putting on social media. Like mm-hmm. it's, I'm making it, it's part of my life. Right. And so I think if I continue to just anybody, not just me, if anyone just continues to share their story and who they are and are authentic to that, then that's how, kind of how I try to frame it. Yeah. So just, you know, don't create something specifically for it, right. but just share what you're doing. Yeah. And I try sure. to do that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, there are, uh, there's a guy who does content for local restaurants in New York state and they're the worst, cheesiest videos I've ever seen in my life, but they get thousands of views. Uh, I don't know why, because they're awful, but they just do. And then you'll see somebody put something really you know, produced well together yeah. and share it, and it hardly goes anywhere. You know, it's really funny because I did, I think it was the, hot, I think it was two Bridge Streets ago. Um, at the very tail end of it, I dropped the platter of cookies on live camera. <laughs> And I was mortified and you should have seen me. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So I just picked up a cookie and I popped it in my mouth. I'm like, I was like, I'm just going to eat the cookie. I didn't, I had no idea what to do, but I was mortified. And afterwards I was like, okay, the camera stopped rolling. And I'm like, I can pretend it didn't happen. Or yeah. I can embrace that that's me right. and I'm a goofball. And sometimes I do things like trip or drop something and I'm going to yeah. embrace it. Mm-hmm. And I put out a gif of yeah. the cookies dropping. Yeah. And it just, it was like on repeat right. and people loved it because yeah. it was just real. It was just a real, real moment that, yeah. you know, anyway. Right. I mean, it's, uh, you kind of have to, especially as if you're doing, you're doing it for so long, you have to kind of figure out over time, kind of like our, what's your personality going to yeah. be online. And, yeah. um, I mean, I know, you know, last time we were, t- you, you were here, we were talking a lot about just like kind of your journey of kind of getting to that place of being a home baker and then mm-hmm. going on the show and all that kind of stuff. Uh, have you found that like now, uh, almost a year later that you're kind of still focusing on that, uh, is heavy, like talking about your journey and like empowerment. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, I definitely love doing those talks still. I'm going to be speaking with a group early December about, um, you know, the, the, the path, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think the whole journey of, of this, anybody's journey is just, to talk about it because, um, 
you know, I think she has a title for it. It's called The Sweet and Not-So-Sweet Life of a Baker. Oh, okay. Like all the funny, <laughs> all the good, all the bad of everything that's kind of led up to this. Yeah. And I love talking about that because I think anybody who wants to pursue something should and shouldn't mm. really have any barriers behind that. I mean, I'm a self-taught baker. Yeah. And I ended up becoming the pastry chef at a fine dining restaurant that was featured on the Food Network. Yeah. I mean, what are the odds of that? So to be... Um, to go from being a self-taught baker in my home kitchen to being featured on the Food Network as a pastry chef, mm-hmm. you know, and there's that funny where people can say, well, you're, you're not a pastry chef because you didn't go, you weren't culinary trained. <laughs> but I like to think, think that over the past 20 years, I really did get that, right. you know, hard knock, fail forward in the kitchen training, Yeah, you know. Whether Jacques Pepin teaches you in person or over YouTube, he's still yeah, teaching you, you know? True. So Yeah. There's very few things I feel like, uh, especially, um, well, maybe that's terrible to say, but I think there's there's not much that you can't learn on your own right. through the internet yeah. without having to go to some extremely expensive school. Yeah. And, yeah. I, also, and I also say, like, fail forward. Right. If you if you make a recipe and it fa- and it flops, make yeah. it again and make it again and make it again. Right. And make it again. Yeah. And then every time you make it, you learn something new about that exact recipe. And that's kind of how I approach baking. Yeah. You know, yeah. making a croissant the first time did not go so well. <laughs> making it the second time did not go so well. Yeah. Making it the fifth time got a little bit better. You know, <laughs> making it the seventh time was a flop again. So yeah, you know, it's, sure. it's just learning and trials and tribulations. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with this. I mean, the podcast, I mean, from episode one to, I shouldn't say, or this, I think there's going to be episode 78. That's great. Maybe. Uh, episode 77 was pretty rough, too. I don't know yeah. if people should listen to that one. But uh, from episode one to today, it's definitely, yeah. you know, gotten a lot better, for sure. And uh, everything, I mean, I'm a marketing manager at mm-hmm. uh, this company. I run the marketing for six restaurants and my degree is in theology. So, yeah. um, you know, it's just, you learn so many things. And like you said, it's just experience is a big deal. Absolutely. I mean, even if you look from a year, year ago to today, even two years ago, um, you know, I had a dream. I wanted to open my own business and I didn't know how I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. I definitely didn't have the finances to do it. And I just, you know, said, you know what, I'm going to take the risk and I'm going to go for it. Now here I am two year, two and a half years later, Yeah, the business has been, you know, operational mm-hmm. through a national pandemic and I'm still, I'm still here. I'm still kicking. So yeah, for sure. You know, fail forward. For a lot of people being on a show like the great American baking show being in the food network for summer yeah. rush, um, that would be kind of like their level, like they achieved it. You know, they did what they wanted to do. Yeah. Right. The, you know, goal was reached. So, I mean, how is that for you when you're kind of starting your career out by being on those shows? Well, it's funny you say that because years before I made it on the show, I said I have a goal to be on yeah. a show. Right. <laughs> and so I actually made that one of my top three big picture goals. Mm. And so it's funny that you say now that I've achieved that, <laughs> I've just leveled up the bar. Yeah. Okay. So now I've got a new goal. Yeah. What's that? Can't tell you. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's a saying, don't show. What is it? Don't, don't tell you, show you. Yeah, okay. Right? There you so, go. So, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I was on the Food Network. Yeah, mm. I was on the Great American Baking Show. Yeah. Um, you know, now I'm leveling up. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's just got to be interesting yeah. for sure. You just got to level up the bar, you yeah. know, and, and, and then, you know, check mm-hmm. and then keep going. And um, 
enjoy the moment that I, you know, I, I look back and I say, okay, even if I stopped baking tomorrow and I stopped the business tomorrow and I stopped blogging and I stopped everything, mm-hmm. I'm happy. You know, I'll go home and I'll cook, bake cookies for the kids. Yeah. So, you know, I think, uh, it sounds a little morbid, but I think sometimes about, um, I work so much Yeah. and anybody who's an entrepreneur does, um, uh, but working so much and putting so much time and energy and effort into something, especially over the past, I'd say, year, I've been thinking to myself, well, at the end of my life, what really is going to be said? Yeah. It's going to be like he worked harder than anybody else. And, you know, uh, are people going to look back and say, like, he had Eat Local New York? And does is that really going to matter? Right. Um, and so it's, it is like kind of reaching those different success points. It's like reaching those different levels and being able to kind of have that as your, well, absolutely. Uh, on your I resume. Success is, what does that mean to somebody? Mm-hmm. It could mean happiness. Yeah. Right? Right. It could mean, you know, money. That's, you know, not yeah. a true form of success, but it could be happiness. I mean, I right. think at the end of the day, I look back and I say, what, what do I want to achieve from this? Mm-hmm. And if I can impact through whatever platform I choose and I can, somebody else can learn inspiration to either reach goals Mm -hmm. or to pick up a whisk or to, to learn to bake where they might say, I can't bake. I'm a horrible baker. But then I help them with a recipe either through a cookbook, wink, wink, (laughs) right. Or (laughs) through some sort of like, if I can leave some sort of a, not a legacy, that's not the right word. Cause that sounds so like, if I could leave some sort of a impact Mm -hmm. on another human being to, try to master something in their own life. And then I, then I think I've succeeded. Yeah. That's how I look at it. I think that's important. I mean, I, I, I think of, I'm, you know, so far I'm kind of a one man show, uh, with this. I mean, granted, I couldn't really do any of this. It was, if it wasn't for my wife, you know, taking care of a lot of I things. I hear that. My husband right? is, a, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we don't have kids, but we have, now we have seven chickens and a dog and, uh, you know, there's, you know, Thank God my wife, you know, I was here late last night working and she was able to take care of everything. Yeah. Um, and she does that a lot. So not technically a one man show, but uh, being able to like work to promote restaurants for me is kind of like that thing of being able to help others. Because you like doing it though. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If you don't like doing it, it's not worth doing. I really enjoy doing it, but I will say lately, you know, we've been married now. We just had our one year anniversary. Yeah, I know. Congrats. I saw Thank the you. pictures from the restaurant you went to. Oh, that was fantastic. Urban. Yeah, that was phenomenal. I know. I was, I was salivating through the pictures. Yeah. Said, that looks phenomenal. They do a really phenomenal yeah. job there. Um, you know, it's so funny. It's like uh, restaurants that can really turn it on and make exceptions for people. We had called a few restaurants who just couldn't take the reservation during COVID. They don't right. see, you know, it's no reservations for two people or whatever the case was, or they were booked. And St. Urban was like, great, come in. They had champagne waiting for oh, us at the table. Great? And the chef himself was preparing our meal, which at St. Urban is a really big deal because um, Jared's, you know, yeah. just phenomenal. So. I mean, restaurants really are all about the experience. Yes. If the front of the house doesn't match the back or the back doesn't match the front, they're not going to have a great experience. So, I mean, I know all the restaurant from the front to the back Mm because I was a fine dining waitress for years. Okay. And then I went to the kitchen and, you know, we all both know they're totally different animals. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, they have to match Mm -hmm. if the, and it's like the same thing with um, any business. If the customer service doesn't match the product. Right. You know, so anyway, I think there's there's definitely something to be said for um, those uh, your ability to leave a 
good impression in your customer's memory. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll always remember St. Urban for that experience. That experience. And uh, in the same manner, I'll always remember other restaurants for right, the poor right, experience. Right. right. And, you'll, and yeah. you'll go back to the one that you had the good experience right. to. With. Yeah. We had, when we, when uh, I forget if I told you this story or not before, but when we were in, uh, when uh, I proposed, we went to a restaurant in Skinny Atlas and we had a bottle of champagne. I'd bought a bottle of Cristal. But I was, we were having dinner. Big bunny. Yeah, we were, we were, we were having dinner before I had proposed and having the champagne before I proposed uh, because we were, it's a long story, but we were going to, we had, I had our friends and family to surprise her with an engagement party right after I had proposed. And uh, I only wanted to buy one bottle of Crystal, so we had that. You didn't want to buy ten. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder so, why. Right, uh, but the waiter went, and I had told the restaurant beforehand, "I'm not proposing yet." So you know, uh, but the waiter came and popped the bottle of Crystal and said, "Congratulations!" Oh, no. So, oh, no. But I'll always remember that restaurant for yeah, that for and, that moment. Yeah. So for our anniversary, that restaurant came up briefly. Should we go there? And quickly, no. No. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I can count probably on one hand, my top five most memorable meals mm. at all the restaurants I've ever been to. Cause I'm a big, I don't foodies the right word. Yeah. I'm, I love a good meal. Yeah. Like there's not like there's food is like my passion. Mm. And so then I'll go home and I'll try to recreate yeah. the taste that I had in that meal. But even looking back to like 20 years ago, I look back at one specific meal mm. and I'm still trying to create mm. it at home. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I've had this conversation with uh, a chef in Syracuse. His name is Cody Dedishu. He uh, owns Defi, which is one of the top four restaurants in downtown. And I've, you know, the 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 debate is is a chef an artist or a craftsman, and I Ooh. I consider them an artist. I I don't want to think that I could ever yeah. recreate or like reach their level. I want to look at them as an artist. Um, and he disagrees. He believes that he's a craftsman. Oh, I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. Because a home baker can create a really, really good tasting cake. Mm-hmm. Right? But it yeah. might be in a sheet pan. Right. And it might have frosting on it that's homemade and delicious. Mm-hmm. And it might, um, you know, be spread out with a right. butter knife. Yeah. Which is how I started baking, mm-hmm. right? When you, you know, when you start learning how to bake, you bake in a sheet right. pan and then you, you know, you coat it and maybe you yeah. put some sprinkles on it, mm-hmm. right? But an artist <clears throat> will then take that cake mm-hmm. and turn it into something else. Mm. So, and people eat with their eyes. Yeah. But it's at the same time, it's the same cake. Yeah. So it's a bit of both. I think it's the craftsmanship of right. learning how to do it. And then if you want to elevate it up to become an artist, mm-hmm. then you create the. Yeah. And there are certain, there's uh, specific tools. Like as you're saying that I'm thinking when we had this pizza contest at yeah. uh, work, we were using a, a, a wood fired oven and 90% of the pizzerias that were there cooking had never used that before. Right. And um, one of them uh, really specifically uses a wood fired oven as well, but he's used to a wood fired oven that's a thousand degrees and ours was at like 600. And so his pizza that is typically, uh, you know, masterpiece in his oven, he couldn't get the same with the same ingredients and everything, couldn't get that same result out of ours. So sometimes it's the tools that you use. You know, for me, I love creating in my brain 
the art side of it, Mm -hmm. coming up with a recipe, coming up with a vision, coming up with a plate. I love fancy plating. So in addition to making baked goods at the bakery, which are your cookie platters and all of your things, I love doing a high-end fine dining Mm -hmm. dessert plate with all of the elements and creating a really pretty dish, Mm -hmm. which has basically the the dessert and then lots of little stuff around it. Yeah. So coming up with that is the artistic side of it, which Mm I completely agree with, but the craftsmanship of being able to know how to prepare each of those items. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword. I know. I struggle with part art, part science. Yeah, for sure. Especially in baking. Yeah. Yeah. I struggle with, uh, going out to eat at different restaurants and expecting too much out of them. You know, that's why I cook at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my husband says, it's actually funny. He says, my wife's a good baker, but she's a better cook, yeah. which says a lot, right? right. Like, yeah. you know, I like to cook. Mm-hmm. So I love to create on the savory side as much as I love to bake. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. We did a lot of, a lot of cooking at home, obviously during quarantine. Yeah. And, um, we would order takeout once a week and it was great. Uh, I, I almost, wish that we were back in quarantine because life seemed a lot simpler back <laughs> then. Know, right? You know, it, it, I, you know, just, um, I can remember saying to friends cause we would have some people over for like an outdoor bonfire. And I would say like, uh, you know, yeah, I'm going to slow down after all this. This is amazing. I'm not going to do as much. And, um, and that definitely did not happen <laughs> once we but, came yeah. out of quarantine. I also think too, when you work in a commercial kitchen, like when you work in a, a restaurant kitchen, you know, it's not very glamorous at all. Yeah. So you're putting out all these beautiful dishes, but you know, you're, you're wolfing down, you know, right. a, a cup of soup uh, out of the, you know, yeah. out of the hot, hot box, you know, it, you know, and a piece right. of bread with butter, I mean, yeah. that's, you know, in between, you know, <laughs> you know, shifts, which is pretty, you know, yeah. you know, fast paced, but it's, um, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. I mean, this summer after the show aired, Last summer, I look at my numbers for the amount of plates that I put out mm-hmm. last two summers ago. And so when I went into this summer, I looked at those pars, the numbers, mm-hmm. and I said, okay, this is what I need to do. And then Summer Rush aired on mm-hmm. the Food Network in June. Mm-hmm. And even though COVID, there was, let me tell you something, working in a commercial kitchen during COVID summer was <laughs> an experience in its own. I mean, I look at back and I think it was truly a test yeah. of, of, for it me and awful. like a hundred million, <laughs> you know, you, the, you got masks on and it's right. like 150 degrees in there and, yeah. you know, it's fast paced and you're still trying to p- perform, but you know, it's, it was just absolutely insane. Um, but the people that came to the restaurant this summer just came in, like in floods mm-hmm. Cause it was all outdoor dining and I look at the, num- my numbers just flew out of the park. I mean, yeah. there was one night I single-handedly, I think served 220 plated desserts. Wow. And I flopped to the ground afterwards and I was like, <laughs> how did that just happen? Yeah. How did I, how did I even do that? And what kind so, of desserts are you doing there? All sorts. I yeah. mean, I do, I do custards and cakes okay. and, um, all the donuts, all the, yeah. you know, the served fried, fried to order donuts mm-hmm. experience. And, <laughs> Um, that, that was on the show. That was the, the star, yeah. the star dessert on the show. Um, you know, and it's just all of the, um, all sorts of desserts. I mean, I crossed, yeah. crossed the gamut, Okay. you know, um, and then it's not just creating it, it's plating it. Yeah. But I love every moment of that, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it, I say it's not glamorous and it's hard work, but at the end of the night when someone says, you know, that's the best dessert they've ever had in their life or the best chocolate cake that they ever had at a restaurant before, you kind of, mm-hmm. you know, it's 1230 <laughs> as you're sweeping up the floor and you say, okay, I, I did okay. And you go home and you got burns all up and down your arms <laughs> and, you know, from the oven and yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, there's something there's people I feel that are just built for a kitchen. Yeah, I have a friend who um, he was chef for years and years and years, and um, he got out of it and has an office job and hates it. He just wants to get back into a kitchen. Yeah, and I don't understand that. I, you I know, you're drawn to it. Yeah, I mean, I love, I love. I mean, it's hard to do with four kids. Yeah, so I think you know, doing it in the summertime, being you know the pastry chef in a kitchen in the summertime is one thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could sustain that year round with my lifestyle with the kids. Yeah, I mean, the bakery's great, right? And I have my busy moments, and don't get me wrong, there are times that you know I'm working late or I'm working early, and you know the kids really you know have been amazing, mm-hmm. but I think to be a night in the nighttime and it's not just nighttime, it's daytime. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you say nighttime, but you start prepping at what noon, right? You know, one at the earliest, at the latest, yeah. and then you go all night long yeah, until, you know, the <laughs> end of the night. And that's, that's a tough lifestyle, Yeah, but you are, you're right. You're drawn to it. I mean, right. I loved even the, even the parts that stunk and even the parts <laughs> that I left at the end of the night and said, why am I doing this? You go back the next day and you mm-hmm. do it again. Cause it's just like a passion. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I have this conversation because we plan on, you know, starting our family in the next maybe two or three years and having kids. And, you know, it's kind of a, it's a big question. It's, um, uh, Rebecca's is, if she's not at home five nights a week, at least she's having the worst week of her life. Everything else is suffering. She's just the type. She needs the downtime, right? you know? And she needs her routine. And I'm the opposite. I don't really, you know, I will, uh, I'll get done with work and then stay up until 11 or 12 working at home or coming down here. And then I'm up at six the next day. And that's just kind of like, I have to be constantly doing something. And so that's a big question. It's, you know, what are we going to do when we start to have kids? Because I can't keep doing really three different businesses and a full-time job. And, um, so I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just going to, if it's going to be a great balancing act, if it's going to be it great is. time management. Well, it's funny you say that because I, when, as you're saying that, it's reminding me of when I stopped working my mm-hmm. first career yeah. to be a stay-at-home mom because we had that same conversation of how can I balance mm-hmm. family and career and I forego mine, which yeah. is fine because at the time, you know, I, it was a job and it was mm-hmm. a career, but I didn't, wasn't passionate about it. I mean, who can be passionate about government? I mean, <laughs> politics, I mean, let's be real. So, I mean, I did it, you know, and I went to work every day and, you know, giving up that income was very difficult for our family, which is why I started baking because yeah. baking and cooking from scratch was less expensive yeah. than mm. buying. And so I started to teach myself and, you know, I'm always a learner. So, but that's why I stopped working to begin with was because we, that we wanted to have that family lifestyle, yeah, you know, so, but now I look at it and it just kind of evolves back and you figure it out. Mm-hmm. You kind of, you kind of adapt. Yeah. Would you rather be in the kitchen, like in the summertime or would you rather be doing your own thing kind of at your own schedule? In the kitchen? You mean like a commercial kitchen? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I'm driven. I think, you know, it's funny, you know, no one ever does it for the money. No one's in a commercial kitchen because they're going to making it rich. <laughs> they do it because they're passionate about it. Yeah. I love putting a dish out mm-hmm. and making people happy. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think, why people are in the food industry. I mean, I, if I think any chef or any cook or baker, whoever wants to see someone's reaction or wants to hear that, that they loved it. I mean, yeah. that's why we do it. So I struggle sometimes in thinking that I'm going to put something out and that everyone's going to love it, especially when you have a, a larger audience. Yeah, It's challenging to understand that you have so many different personalities and they may enjoy one thing, but not another. So you know, what's funny you say that I 
worry that they're not going to love it. Right. So I'll, I'm, well, I'm getting to that yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I'm, st- I'm, I've come to that realization now that, um, I might post one thing that these many people enjoy it and that these other people don't like it, but I could yeah. post something opposite. So do you ever think about that when you're, when you're baking, are you thinking like, okay, I'm going to put out chocolate cake and let's just say, but there's a segment of the population that's going to hate chocolate cake. Right. Um, or they might hate my chocolate cake or they might love. Right. So I think I've learned over the years that, um, you want to have a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. to, to make everybody happy, chocolate, custard, vanilla, fruit. And so I try to, Across all the gamuts mm-hmm. to, to make sure that I make everybody happy. Yeah. Um, but I think with every dish that you make or that I make and I put it out, I kind of like do one like, do you like it? Like, <laughs> what do they think? You know, kind of do one of these. Yeah. And then I go, okay. <laughs> and, and the more that that happens, it kind of makes you, you know, it fulfills you. Mm-hmm. So um, I do worry sometimes that people aren't going to like something. Yeah. But at the same time, there are things that I don't like some things and you're not going to make everybody happy. Right. Um, which is a hard thing to take, but you have to understand that you're not everyone's cup of cake. Yeah. <laughs> Slice of cake. <laughs> yeah. So what are your plans? I mean, you I know that you're I'm I'm sure you're doing a big mm-hmm. push for Thanksgiving and yeah. then again for Christmas. Yep. Um uh actually why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So um I, I do um everything that I do is on my website, mm-hmm. andreamoranville.com. And so if you go to my website, you can see what I offer for local pickup and what I also offer for shipping. So right now I've got my Thanksgiving menu on my website for anybody that wants to come and do a curbside pickup. I think I'm doing it the Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I have a very specific menu for that. Yeah. But then I have a whole other list of items that you can ship for Mm. the holidays. Okay. Um, And so I am doing, and I also have my curbside um, menu. And then I will be putting up a holiday menu as well. Okay. And you know, that's the other thing too, is, you know, how much do you put out? What, how many offerings do you give? And so in my brain, I've got a list of 30 things I want to (laughs) make, but I know that that's not realistic. (laughs) Right. So I need to kind of narrow that down. So I've got all these grand ideas. Like I would love to do, you know, um, a gingerbread house kit. Mm -hmm. I would love to do a cookie kit. And so those are things that, but if I do those, I want to take away something else Yeah. because I mean, I'll, you know, I won't sleep. Right. So, you know, I'm a sole entrepreneur, <laughs> yeah. you know, if I'm not baking, it's not ha- getting made. Yeah. So, um, you know, but I have some ideas this, this holiday to kind of change things up a little bit mm-hmm. and, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And then what about for 2021? Oh, we have to see what happens. I mean, <laughs> I think, um, 2021, I'm really looking at that as a redo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right when COVID hit, I had all these grand plans to do baking classes mm-hmm. and I actually had to cancel three of them, Wow, which really stunk. Yeah. Um, they were all like pre-reserved baking mm-hmm. classes in my kitchen and I had to cancel all of them, which really, you know, yeah. but that was really kind of the shift I was going towards was mm-hmm. doing more educational, um, teaching, doing private baking classes. And um, I'm hoping that if things loosen back up in 2021 that I can really get back on that train again Yeah, because that's really where I, I like to do. I like yeah. to be able to impact someone else that they can go home and make it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. So how can people find you? I know we've mentioned the website, but yeah. let's talk about it again. So andreamoranville.com is the website. You can also find me on Instagram, sweet life of a baker. I'm on Facebook, Sweet Life of a Baker, and I'm on Twitter, Sweet Life of a Baker. <laughs> so you can see a trend there. That's, that's yeah. the, that's the brand. And it's funny. I started, I, 
building that brand name, yeah. if you want to call it that, well before any of this even started. Okay. So this is a this is a long, yeah, long train process, I suppose. But yeah. yeah, I'm all over the place. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming out again. Thanks I for appreciate it. Me. It was great to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. Yeah. Well, there it is, everybody. Thanks so much for checking out another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Andrea. And listen, Thanksgiving is coming up. Christmas is coming up. The holiday season is coming up. It's approaching. It's right here, everybody. If you're looking for some delicious treats at home to have just for yourself, for your family, or if you're looking for a great gift maybe to send somebody, and really it doesn't even have to be just in the area because Andrea ships everywhere, then she mentioned it in the podcast. But and I'm going to link it in the notes, but head over to andreamoranville.com. You can just Google search Andrea Moranville and her social accounts, Facebook and Instagram, and her website are going to pop right up. So do me a favor, go support a local baker, a local celebrity in our area. Um, Yeah, go buy some delicious baked goods. Well, thanks for so much for checking out this week's episode of the podcast. As always, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the Eat Local New York podcast. Thanks so much, and we're going to catch you at the next episode. Mm-hmm.